And the purpose is I want to make sure that no matter where technology is heading in the future and no matter where the future of work is heading, that I am making sure that I'm at the table helping to design and develop that and that the people who need to be at that table as well are also doing the same. I'm Shannon Lucas. And I'm Tracy Lovejoy. And we're the co-CEOs of Catalyst Constellations, which is dedicated to catalyzing innate change makers to accelerate positive change. This is our podcast, Move Move Fast, Fast, Break Shit, shit, Burn Out, where we highlight catalysts that are creating amazing change in the world. And I am so thrilled. I've kind of been like girl stalking her online to speak with Giselle Moda. She's a principal consultant on the future of work, named a top 100 future of work thought leader. She brings simplicity, humanity, and innovative perspectives to the somewhat abstract and complex world of future of work. No joke. She's a champion for an inclusive future of work reflected in her global global speaking, advisory, and services across boards and leadership councils related to Web3 and spatial computing, AI, data analytics, diversity, equity, inclusion, and startup and entrepreneurial spaces, all in the hopes of creating an inclusive future of work and opportunities for all, which we'll get to hear more about. Thanks for being here with us today, Giselle. Thank you, Shannon. I'm so happy to be here with you. You're fun to talk to already. <laughs> likewise, likewise. All right, so let's get down to brass tacks. Um, how do you relate to the concept of catalyst? I'm definitely a catalyst. I, ever since I was a child, um, being from a family who were immigrants to the United States from the Dominican Republic, uh, they had Spanish as their primary language and had to definitely build themselves up from the ground up. And I learned from a young age that from my socioeconomic background and dealing with neurodiversity with dyslexia um, and some learning struggles, I learned how to have to make the best out of whatever was in front of me and to push myself and to always do more. Um, Being a person of color as well was one of those things where I literally got uh, transported to other areas and other neighborhoods uh, just so that they could integrate schools. And I was always keenly aware of the fact that I was different uh, and that I had something to, for lack of a better word, to prove, to prove to the world and to myself and not be a, become a statistic, right? So I was always making more and the most out of little. And here I am today, uh, that's the catalyst is a story of my education, of my upbringing, of my career development and kind of where I am today. And how did it feel when you read about a little bit about catalysts? Yeah, that when I read about it and the word for off the bat caught my attention because it is how I identify. I, I am a catalyst. I, I make things move kind of like that chemistry, that chemical reaction where you take something in its original state and then you, you know, mix a few things and it becomes something completely different and it jumps into another uh, state. And then also maximizing concepts and things. And so when I saw that at the beginning uh, and actually heard the podcast, I heard a podcast episode with you on and you were speaking, tears came to my eyes because I felt understood. I felt seen like for the first time because it gets really frustrating and isolating if you're a catalyst. Uh, and so it's, it's been cathartic to me in a way. Awesome. Well, thank you for being here to share your catalyst wisdom. So I'd love to just start off with a little bit about what your day job is, because you have a super interesting title at a super interesting company. So what is, how does that intersect with your catalyticness? Absolutely. So my day job is I basically help people to make things better. And so I speak, I'm an outside consultant and speaker with clients and prospects, but also at conferences and events, all on uh, how to take the world of work and evolve it. 
So I'm talking about the future of work. I'm talking about the work, the workplace and the workforce and always finding ways to innovate and stay ahead of trends that are happening right in the world, but then also uh, help organizations and individuals to get there. And so that's kind of what I do um, there. Now to catalyze that, I guess it's just, I'm helping people see trends before, before they even become a thing. I'm helping them see where the world is heading, where the future is heading, you know, from a, from a level of what matters to people and what matters to generations, where is technology heading? So everything from artificial intelligence, sometimes I'm talking and thinking about quantum, I'm thinking about spatial computing, I'm thinking about data analytics and all these very nerdy and geeky things when I say it out loud, but <laughs> the truth is where this is all part of the way that work is evolving um, and we're redesigning it as we go, so. Yeah, and you had mentioned like the dot connecting, which I hear in all of those different technologies, and then you're helping your org and other organizations connect those things to the future of work, which I'm guessing you encounter a little bit of resistance potentially along the way. Oh, yes. Yeah. So it's funny when you are someone with that kind of ability to connect dots and see things that people don't yet see, because you're almost having to convince people that, hey, this is the direction in which we should go as an organization with our innovation. Uh, this is where we should go with people and processes. This is where you should go as an organization to remain ahead of the competition. And sometimes you're having to really make business cases and rally together people who just want to sometimes stay as is, right? They don't really want to make changes. But that's, I guess that's a human thing. We don't often don't really want to change. But then you have change makers and people who will rally behind you. And so you, you find both. Awesome. And it sounds like all of that dot connecting has led you to a personal passion project. So I'd love to hear a little bit about what you're working on in that context. For sure. So, so when I took, took a step back and I'm telling you like about two years ago, I saw what was happening in the world with everything from social and racial injustice and uh, things that were happening kind of globally around the world. And I noticed the disparity, the disparate, the disparate issues that we're having uh, among groups of people like with disabilities uh, and people like myself who have neurodivergence. And I was preaching a long time ago about the importance of how we need to embrace different cognitive abilities at work, different ways that people see because the skills that they have are what we need in the future of work. So all of a sudden, a lot of organizations started to lean in and they started to say, yeah, we need to hire neurodivergent people and we need to think about people with disabilities. And we need to think about the difference that people of different races and genders and all kinds of things bring to the workplace. And finally, they've been merging that and connecting it with what I've also been talking about all along, which is technology like AI and data and how to, how to leverage these things. So here we are today in a world where people understand that technology is continuing to advance, but also there are people out there who really should be uh, vocal and should be at the table, if you would, at organizations, and they're usually the marginalized or the underrepresented. So what I'm doing is I'm bringing together uh, this new emergence of what's called Web3 and the metaverse. Um, now, those are terms that are coined as new, but the concepts are not new at all. Um, because what we're talking about essentially is blockchain. We're talking about giving people ownership of their digital assets. We're talking about um, the ability to use augmented reality and virtual reality in immersive experiences. And so what I've done is launch, I'm going to launch a project soon, and I'm super excited about it, where I represent people with disabilities, so seen and unseen disabilities. So I myself, again, with dyslexia, um, and people on the autism spectrum will be included, people with chronic diseases, people with uh, things that you can see, right, visibly, dis uh, dis uh, disabilities as well, to be a part of the metaverse. Today, 
you go and like I was just telling you a moment ago that Lizzo is in concert soon, right? And so we have so many artists in concert on platforms like Sandbox. Snoop Dogg is in there. Lizzo is getting on Roblox where kids are playing all the time now. And, and all kinds of these immersive experiences. When you go to create your avatar, you go into these spaces and you don't really get to look like yourself that much, especially if you have a disability. And so what I'm creating is an opportunity for people who want to be seen with their disability, if they choose so, to, to do that, to look like themselves. One of the characters uh, in our collection, because the characters represent different people with disabilities around the world, and they're BIPOC, they are uh, LGBTQ+, they are global, they all have different disabilities, and one was born with hypoplasia, so he has no arms and legs. And we're going to create an avatar where he can see himself in these spaces as he is, if he so chooses. And if he wants to be Snoop Dogg another day, he could do that too. <laughs> <laughs> and then ultimately what we're gonna do is allow not only for these experiences on the consumer level and on the individual level, but continue to push forth uh, organizations to create more immersive and inclusive immersive experiences. So where people, if, if they want to go and they own uh, an asset. It can be owned, not just a uh, art piece that you, is digital and physical, but that they can they can hear it if you're you're you know seeing impaired, if you're visually impaired, or um, to make sure that you can have access into these spaces and not just be stuck to a VR goggle if you don't have access to that monetarily, or if you don't have access to that because you can't see through a VR goggle anyway, or you don't have hands to be able to pick up haptics. And so we're going to be doing a lot of different things to make this space in general more inclusive, especially of people with disabilities. It's a, it's such important work, and you are definitely, in my opinion, I get to talk with a lot of like future future thinkers. But that's it's looking. I mean, it, it is here today, but it's also looking deeply at what the future of you know all of our different environments will be, sort of digital and virtual and work, and also that's blending. We were just talking about having our own nomadic lives. Um, I, I have a couple of questions. I'm curious. I mean. We had talked a little bit about uh, other people also getting to sort of try on the different avatars and like literally figuratively walk in someone else's shoes. Um, and and there's, it seems like there's a connection to me for helping with belonging because when people can like sit in that other person's place, they can be, I think it helps develop the empathy and cultivate more of a sense of belonging. I'm just wondering like, is that something that you guys are thinking about in all of this? Yes, in fact, there's a, a group that I followed and have admired for some time that they have a virtual reality simulation where it teaches people about diversity, equity, and inclusion training. And when you get into that space, you go in as yourself. So I can go in as, as I am right now. And for those of, who are not being able to see me, I'm an Afro-Latina, I'm a woman of color, I got big curly hair. So, so I can go into these spaces and I can take on the persona of someone else. Yeah. And so maybe I'll embody in this virtual reality, I could look at myself in a mirror that they've created, and all of a sudden I see myself in my reflection. I'm a man or a white man or an Asian or so whatever, you know, of a different yeah. identity or someone in a wheelchair. And then you go around in the simulation and you start having interactions with the program that's preset and someone will come and tell you something about your wheelchair or somebody will try to touch your hair if, if you have um, texture of like an Afro-Latina like myself or different experiences or say the most random things about someone who's LGBT, LGBTQ plus, right? And so how you navigate in that space gives you the lived experience of what it's like for someone else. And yeah, we want to recreate those experiences too for other people to have more immersive experiences and learn from those experiences as well. 
I'm curious about like what challenges you're coming up against as you're taking on this pretty massive project. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the challenge, the number one challenge is definitely the misperception and the uh, ideologies that are already created about this Web3 metaverse space. First, people have uh, ascribed the definition of the metaverse as if it's something completely new and ascribed to one particular brand and company. Uh, it's not. This is a concept that came from uh, fiction. Um, many, many years ago, the, the term metaverse was coined a long time ago. And then we had Second Life from many years ago already. It's been here, been there, done that, right? It's just now become more, um, more mainstream. And so people are being able to do more because the technology has advanced around like gaming. This is where this comes from, around uh, 3D design. So like when you're watching an animated film, all of that exact type of rigging of characters and making it animated and uh, making an avatar look like you and all that stuff, that comes from the world of media and gaming. And now we're starting to see it in consumer experiences. So where big organizations are creating, I, I heard a bank recently, um, an embassy, a government embassy, a mm -hmm. couple of restaurant chains that I know of, a whole bunch of different industries are getting into these spaces to create experiences for their consumers. So to me, it's like navigating, the challenge is navigating those who have a misconception about these things versus uh, those who are like early adopters and trying to get into it uh, for consumer experiences. Like I'm trying to bridge that middle gap. That is, yeah, that is so interesting. Um, and I just have to say, as I listen to you, I'm going to like totally geek out for a minute, but we even had before the virtual, the visual ones, we had things like MUDs and I don't know if you know, like the old bulletin board systems and they were like all of these text-based tools. And it was so fun back in the day because it's like you got to try in different personalities. Like I didn't have to be a white woman. Like I could show up and be a horse too. Like it was, it was those, <laughs> those are really good. Um, I'm also curious in terms of the challenges because a lot of um, catalysts have side passion projects. Mm. So it sounds like both your day job and your side passion project are really are really big. How do you manage that and maintain your energy at the same time? Still figuring that one out. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> you know, I think that the funny thing is that again, those last these last couple of years with the pandemic and with everything happening with racial and social injustice, Shannon, I had to stop in my tracks and ask myself, what am I doing with my time? Yeah. Because I felt, you know, as a person of color, a woman of color, someone, all these things, right? I embody what people have been struggling and trying to advocate for. And it was very um, impactful. Everything that happened, it really, I had to take a moment and think about my place in the world. And so it, it became more than, oh, this is just like a fun, innovative thing that I'm working on, or this is like what I'm trying to do career-wise. No, it means way more to me than that. It means, it means that now I know my purpose more and this is what has happened to me and has helped me to find actually energy even in the more work that I'm creating from from myself has energized me because now it's associated to my purpose and the purpose is I want to make sure that no matter where technology is heading in the future and no matter where the future of work is heading that I am making sure that I'm at the table helping to design and develop that and that the people who need to be at that table as well are also doing the same. So I'm here to represent and make sure that I get into those rooms where other people might not have the access to. And I'm talking to executives and Fortune you know, 100 and 500 companies, and I'm speaking at conferences and events, and I show up as I am speaking about the things that I'm speaking about because it matters. And so, uh, so that's what I'm trying to do, you know, and, and it energizes me more than anything. 
That's so awesome. And I wish that more organizations were, we've been talking a lot about the power of purpose and helping organizations navigate all of this change. Like everyone has change fatigue and all of that, but it's like, if you're clear on your purpose, then it like deeply resonates with, you know, your authentic self and who you are. Like it's, it is an almost unlimited, like, you know, well of energy almost, um, almost. And, and so I'm, you know, I, I hear, I, I mean, I hear that there's, I know that there's a lot of bias that's built into a lot of this technology. And so I love that you are tackling that. It sounds like at lots of different levels, as you go along this work, are there key learnings for the catalysts that you want to share? Yes. I would say, learn how to really center yourself, first of all, because what we were just talking about a moment ago, you can feel extremely depleted and you can give up. And don't give up because I'm sure that whatever's inside of you, uh, you're seeing it before anybody else sees it. You have the vision. And so I would tell you, get clear on the message yourself, first of all. Mm. Once you get clear inside of yourself and kind of where you are and what you're gonna, where you're trying to go, then you can start to articulate that. And I would encourage everyone, get with a mentor, test your idea with many other people, speak about it, let people tell you, oh, I don't get it. I don't get what you're saying. And let them even tell you, well, here's an area where I think where you really need to consider because I kind of see this red flag and that red flag. So ask for feedback um, and then test it with, with people that you can trust, but that are going to be true and honest with you. Because along the way from you it being having that concept in your mind to finally delivering and executing it, you need people to champion it and you need people to do it because you can't do it all. And so in that, you need to make business cases and you need to learn how to make a business case. You need to learn how to see whatever you're trying to work on from all the angles. I'll give you a quick example. So I worked uh, in my day job with um, bringing, raising my hand and talking about the potential that we had to build inclusion uh, solutions in our analytics tool. And so I was a part of that group that helped to do it. But more work started to bloom and blossom as a result of it, because not only was I behind the scenes with the project management of it and the business case, but I saw other issues that needed to come up and ways in which we can continue to innovate and, and uh, design. So I rose my hand on that. Then we needed someone to go to market and represent that and speak about it and talk at conferences and events and put our social media together and our marketing. And so I helped with that. And now I'm, I've also helped with our internal teams to help them message it. So it's like, it never ends. And you kind of need to know how to message to all of your stakeholders is what I'm trying to say. So you can't be one-minded. You have to kind of like know how to message to everybody. Um, yeah. And get ready for the ride because the journey of the catalyst is definitely a roller coaster. So uh, strap in. 100%. So many. I hope everyone was taking notes because that list is like exactly spot on about creating change and like just being conscious of who you're talking to when and the messaging and your clarity. Thank you. Okay. So I want to shift us to our uh, rapid fire round. You ready? All right, in two minutes or less, what piece of advice would you give an up and coming catalyst or said another way, what do you wish you had known you know, a few years ago when you were 20? Yeah, I'm gonna say, uh, don't think you're crazy. Number one, you're not crazy. The way that your brain works, it is normal. Um, it, you just see things in a different way. So embrace it. Secondly, also, I can't stress enough, find ways to ground yourself. The mind of a catalyst is not, not that it's like all over the place, but we think a lot. We see a lot, we map out a lot, and then we we extend ourselves a lot. You have to find ways to like go back and conserve your energy again. Can I ask you as a follow-on, how do you ground yourself? 
Good question. I love nature. And so you'll see me at any given point in time trying to literally just get to water, sit there, take in the beach, um, get out to take a hike. Um, literally sometimes just kind of, if I can't get out to anything, turn everything off and just light a candle and, you know, just kind of like being quiet and in peace and, and pray. Uh, and those are kind of the things that I do. That's beautiful. Thanks for sharing. What advice would you give to executives or leaders about working with or finding catalysts in their org? Mm. Try not to limit those people. And instead of trying to corner them or try to, you know, make them fit into this perfect square of a particular job description, know that they will do the job at hand, but they must be inspired and motivated to do more because they're going to start to flourish and do even more when you give them the opportunity to do so. Don't be intimidated by them. There will be an asset to your team and your organization um, and just let them, encourage them uh, to connect with other people and to connect on other projects because it will only come back to you um, with, with interest. Yeah, good advice. All right, it's not always easy. So what's the worst part about being a catalyst? Hmm. I think you have to encourage yourself and there's times where you're alone because no one else sees the way that you see, no one else kind of gets it and you must encourage yourself. You have to be your number one champion. And like I said before, get people around you and maybe even subscribe to the podcast here guys, read the book because I'm telling you when I read it, even as much as I've been doing amazing work and great things like this brought tears to my eyes. This helped me, this has been a blessing to me. So thank you for the opportunity to be here and to be able to even learn while I'm talking about this because I'm, I'm ever evolving and ever learning. Thank you so much. And it's so true, the inner critic, we know the inner critic for Catalyst is so loud. And so like developing that self-compassion and that grace is really important. Like that's, for me, when people ask what the number one takeaway in the book is, that's what I hope Catalyst walk away with is like, you are enough. I get yes. to thinking about it. Yeah. All right, so what's the best part about being a Catalyst? I think it's like, again, in it, you find your purpose in a way, because it's the way that your, your brain is set up, the way you're, you see the world. Because I mean, I even, I picked up from you as well, like a, a kindred here that we see things from a multi-dimensional standpoint. And we have to, because that's the way we're like connecting a bunch of dots and making things happen. So when I think about an issue or a topic, I'm not just thinking about what that means to an organization. I'm thinking what it means to humanity. What does it mean for the future? What does it mean on a, on a social level? Like I'm, I'm all over the place, economic, like I'm all over. But I think the best part is that it's like such a holistic um, viewpoint that is very much tied to who you are, even when you're at home alone and you go to bed at night, you, it's still a big party. Right? So. <laughs> you can't leave it behind. We have cattle be like, can I just not be this for a couple of weeks? Like, no, sorry. No, we can't shut it off. Sorry. <laughs> um, so do you have a call of action for your listeners that you'd like to share? Um, I would say in terms of this, hey, you know what? Give yourself an opportunity to have some fun. And so I'm going to share a, a, a quick little freebie for the audience too. One way in which I'm having fun and intersecting it with the work that I do is living a nomadic lifestyle. So I'm literally giving myself a chance to explore different places in the United States uh, for like three to four months. Um, I'm on to my like third or fourth state at this point. I'm going to be heading to New York in the next couple of weeks and give a stint over there. Probably can't stay for the winter, y'all. Sorry if you're in New York. Oh, and my blood is Caribbean. Self-knowledge. <laughs> yeah, self-knowledge. Got to keep it real. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm doing that. And the way I'm doing it is I'm, I'm living with this company called uh, Landing. 
and landing, um, I'm an ambassador with them and I actually have a code. So there should be a discount of like $250 for the first month of rent. If anybody wants to give this a try for a month, cool. give it a try, like go live somewhere else. You, you can know, you have furbished places or furnished places or places where you can bring your own furniture and you don't have to stay locked to a lease. So I'm uh, doing this because I believe that you can work and live and play from anywhere. And so anyway, the discount code is, write this down, people. It should be in the show notes too later. But yep. it's my first name, Giselle. Giselle underscore I-T-G. I like igloo. T like Tom. G like Giselle. I know I couldn't think of an I word, y'all. So Giselle underscore I-T-G. And you should save, I think it's about $250 off the first month of rent, wherever you want to go. Yeah. That's cool. And it's landing. Is that the name of it? Yep. Landing. Awesome. Yeah, we'll get that in the show notes. And um, we have someone who works for us who's a hardcore nomad. We've had a couple of them. So yeah, that's definitely our population. Um, thank you so much for this amazing conversation. I could have, I could still talk with you for hours about all of the work that you're doing and everything that you bring, but I'm excited to watch the progress of this diverse and inclusive worlds that you're building in the metaverse and web three. So you'll have to keep us posted for sure. I will. Awesome. To our listeners, thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to learn more about how to accelerate positive change, go to our website at catalystconstellations.com. Be sure to check out our book, Move Fast, Break Shit, Burn Out. And if you have other catalysts in your life, hit the share button and send a link their way. Thanks again.